0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Better Life Church. We're so glad you're here. If you're at our Moorhead campus, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for visiting with us. If you're at our Grayson campus, we want to welcome you as well. And God is up to something great here. We used to be one church and two locations, but the Lord is up to something that we're about to become one church and three locations, and it's official. Yeah, this is awesome. Over the last several weeks, I've been going down to Ashland meeting with uh, uh, a church down there that's a four-year-old church plant and some things, uh, you know, through COVID and thought about maybe, you know, uh, what's the next step. They heard about what God is doing in Moorhead and in Grace, and they reached out said, would you guys merge with us and launch a Better Life Church campus right here in Ashton. Now, we've been praying for that for over 10 years, for God to open that door, but we just didn't know when it was to go, so it took us all by surprise, and it came in so fast, and uh, we're super excited about it, and hopefully very, very soon, we will be launching the Better Life Ashland Campus, and we're super excited about that, and uh, I'm telling you, that's something for you guys to be praying about as well. We're It happened so quickly, and it's moving so fastly, as as I've been meeting with the core team down there every Sunday night for the last several weeks, uh, just speaking vision in their life, you know, sharing who we are, what we're doing, where we're going, our vision for the region, uh, the movement that got us birth right here 14 years ago in Moorhead, how it's spilling over uh, to the region. So it's been fun hanging out, just kind of revisiting, going back through all that stuff. I love doing that. Um, but it is moving fast, and we're looking for the right people, you know, on the bus to put in the right seats on the bus. And uh, we are going to look to hire. We're needing a children's director there at our Ashley campus, a campus pastor and a worship leader. And so we are gonna be taking some applications. If you know anybody in that area, maybe for you, we have a, you could text the word APPLY, I believe it's up on the screen at 606-268-9436, is that right? 9436, I remember that Pastor Adam, you should be proud. I finally got the Better Life number right there. But if that's you, if you know somebody, maybe take a picture of that, text that to them. Uh, They could APPLY and we'll send them some information about applying, being on staff there at the Ashland Campus. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, God is up to something in the midst, and we're just going to continue to just seek after him, trust him as he leads us in all directions. And so we're super excited about that. Also, coming up here on December the 12th, if you're first time, first time in a long time, we do this every year. We uh, we take up a year in offering and we do something crazy with it. We we help orphans, we help uh, feed children in inner city and make sure they have Bibles. Uh, we're gonna continue to do all that. We're also really excited about this year. We're going to be able to get a gift to all the 2,000 inmates at the West Liberty Prison there. And so we're gonna be sending them a gift on behalf of Barrel Life Church to say, hey, we love you, we're praying for you. And so I'm really excited about that. Also, last year was the first time, if you remember, that we came across this corporation that really wants to help reduce medical debts in families' life, especially in the Appalachia area. And so it's called REP Medical Debt and RIP Medical Debt. And, uh, medical debt. and uh, last year we reached out to them and, and we had our own campaign where we were able to pay down millions of dollars' worth of, of, of medical debt. So this company basically comes in and negotiates with, pe- with the companies. They basically pay pennies on the dollar. And so this year, we wanna make sure we're part of that, that right here in our backyard, the people in our area who are struggling with medical debt as well are able to, through this company, be able to reduce that. And so what we were told is that for every $10,000, uh, that we give, $1 million worth of medical debt is, is is washed off, it's completely paid for. And so I said, you know, count us up, we're gonna make sure we're part of that, we really wanna help people experience a better life, and we're really excited because this Christmas, uh, some of the families that don't even know this yet, families are gonna be getting a yellow slip in the mail saying that your debt has been paid in full and you no longer owe this medical debt. What a Christmas gift, and guess what? God gets to use you to be part of that, so I am so excited that that we have that invitation to do that, and so if that's you, listen, if if you're first time, first time, a long time, we do this every year, and we always have a thing that we always ask people to do, and that's this. Here's what I ask you to do as your pastor. Here it is, really. Go home, pray, and listen to Jesus, and do whatever he tells you to do. If you've been here for the last 14 years, you know I've said that every single time we do anything like this, you go home and pray, and whatever Jesus tells you to do, do. If he tells you to give, you give. If he tells you not to give, then don't give. You do whatever Jesus tells you to do, and on December the 12th, we'll take that offering up, and we're going to be able to use it to go and to help kids in the inner city, make sure they get Bibles to people in the prison, to to, uh, the medical debt. We're also going to be using a portion of it going to our Ashland campus. This is something really awesome. Uh, They have a building, and we actually get to go in and purchase and buy that building for the remaining of the balance, which is unbelievable. So now we already have a facility uh, uh, right there, ready to go. We have a core team, and now we're waiting for the staff to get in place so we can launch and reach people in Boyd County. I'm telling you, man, God is really up to something great. and So we're super excited this year to be part of that. And so let's just really quickly, not that we have to quickly pray, but I just think as a family, uh, that let's just pray together and continue to ask God just to, to continue to move and give his wisdom and discernment. So would you pray with me as a part of the family here, God? God, thank you so much for your love and your grace. And thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to continue to expand the gospel and to reach people not only in Carter County and Rowan County, but now over in Boyd County and continue to spread over, God, to Ohio and West Virginia. God, we just trust you that you're gonna move and draw people to yourself. And so we're so thankful that we get to be generous, Lord, and bless people and help kids in the inner city and and, and people like who are orphans and things like that. We, God, get to be part of your movement. And so thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the invitation. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do. For it's your name we ask and we pray. Come on now. And everybody said, amen. Well, Thanksgiving's coming this week. Who's excited about Thanksgiving? Come on. You excited about that? Oh, awesome, man. A lot of you. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking for some low-fat chocolate pie. Can I get a witness? Come on. So y'all figured it out, or two of you, that's okay. Y'all have the fat pie. That's all right. I'm looking for the low-fat chocolate pie, right? And so, I mean, I can well, I love Thanksgiving. I love hanging out with my family. It's a great time to get just to hang out and kind of get off the grid a little bit and just kind of take a few days and enjoy with the family. I hope you'll get to do that as well. And then right after, you know, Thanksgiving comes Black Friday. I don't think they do Black Friday anymore. I think that's all messed up. It's like Black Friday month now, <laughs> and uh, like all the sales start like a month ago. And so, you know, I think it's a scam. You know, they charge you for 364 days these super high prices, and then one day. It's a discount, right? That's the only day. I just think it's a scam. I I think it's also fascinating where they place Black Friday. Isn't it so funny that we sit around the table and we're so thankful on Thanksgiving? My wife, she came home uh, from the store the other day. She had this big old beautiful pumpkin, and she set this pumpkin on the island. and she put a Sharpie right beside it, and she set us all down because she's a principal. That's what she does. And she set us all down, and she said, listen, every time you walk by this pumpkin, I want you to write something you're thankful for. I want you to write it down. And so it's called the thankful pumping or the grateful pumping. And so we went around and we wrote things. There's a spiral all the way around. We're thankful for it. But when you walk by that th- thing about 100 times, you start to realize, man, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, what am I really thankful for? Like, it's, it's easy. to have thankful for my family. Okay, I'm thankful for my health, right? I'm thankful for things like that. Got a house, all this stuff. You keep going around and around. And now you start forgetting things. So you walk by and go, I'm thankful for L.A. Can I get with it? I'm thankful for some chocolate chip cookie. I'm thankful. I have socks on to keep my feet warm right now. Like, And so we had this pumpkin. We wrote all the things we're thankful for. And then my son was so thankful that my, his mom let him take the pumpkin out for target practice. And we blew the pumpkin up with a shotgun, which was amazing. It was awesome. Every little 15-year-old kid's dream to do. And so we're so thankful. But isn't it amazing that you have, you know, you're thankful on? on Thursday, and then you begin to fight and argue about stuff you don't need on Friday. Is that not a crazy place to put, you know, this, this thing that, well, I'm so thankful for what I have, but I need more. I'm so thankful I have this, but I want this. And, and so it's so funny how this, the world works, and, and the enemy tries to distract to, to having a grateful heart, because I believe that we live in a society that people are just not really grateful anymore. I mean, we live in a society where everybody has an entitlement that everybody thinks they're owed everything. I, just, I was just raised by one of those good country mamas who's always taught me just be thankful for what you have. You know, we always talked about, Mom, I wish I had that bicycle. Mom, I wish I had this. And she always said, Hun, just be thankful you got something that rolls. (laughs) You know, you just be thankful that, yeah. Well, Mom, all my friends have blacktop driveways. Well, you be thankful you have a gravel driveway to play basketball on. You know, if you play basketball on a gravel driveway, you you are thankful when you got a blacktop driveway. You know what I'm talking about? Like, just be thankful. So my mom always taught me, be grateful for what you have. We try to do that with our kids. We try to instill in them to have this attitude of gratitude. To be thankful, to always say, hey, kids, go tell mom, thanks for what she cooked tonight. So, mom, thank you for making it. Tell mom, Paul, thanks for taking us out to eat. Mom, Paul, thank you for taking us out to eat. We're always trying to instill in them this attitude of gratitude because I don't want my kids raised up. and, And you see it right now in the world, this entitlement mentality. You were owed everything, and you don't have to be grateful or thankful for it. And I think this as Christians, we need to take a look at that this morning and figure out how do we create this attitude of gratitude. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, I believe this story uh, communicates what I'm trying to communicate to you this morning in God's Word. In Luke chapter 17, if you've been around church, it's a familiar story, but I just want to walk through it, make some observations, and just ask the Lord to speak uh, into our lives, and then after this, let's go get some good chicken, okay? That's what I'm praying for, some good old chicken. So you ready to get started? So let's go. All right, here we go. Start in verse 11. I'm using the New Living Translation. If you pull up your Bible app, you can go with me on the New Living Translation. Uh, verse 11, it says, as Jesus continued towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Now, you know this, right? Jews and Samaritans do not get along. They do not get along. So he's right on the border, right That like kind of a mix between, you know, this Sea of Galilee, where he called most of the disciples, and you've got now the Samaritans who are over here who they cannot stand, you know, big civil war. They did not like each other. Verse 12, so as he entered the village in the border there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now, let's just stop there. I'm not a scholar or a theologian or anything like that. I just try to get very practical when it comes to reading the Bible and practical and teaching the Bible so that we can understand it, so I can understand it in a simple way to apply it to my life. But one of the things that really helps me when it comes to reading the Bible is actually putting myself in the story. When I put myself in the story, I, 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 I put empathy in the story. I, I come empathetic and try to feel what maybe they would feel through it, so it kind of opens my eyes to see. Now, could you imagine having someone, if you were one of the tens, with leprosy? Imagine you're a guy and you've been out in the field working all day long and you come home and now you begin to wash your hands and next thing you know, you realize the tips of your fingers begin to tingle. The tips of the fingers begin to tingle and you realize this is not right, something's wrong here, I kind of heard about this, I'm not for sure what it is, but so you ignore it and you don't want nobody to bring attention to it. And then as weeks goes on, you realize the filling in your hand begins to go away. The filling in the end of your fingers begin to go away. And now they begin to get numb. This is what leprosy begins to do in your body. And most people, they don't know that. They can't feel it. They would get cut. Gangrene would set in. An infection would set in. And the infection would kill them. It's a horrible way to die. But now you're as a man, and now you realize, oh my gosh, I heard about this. I believe I may be catching leprosy or have leprosy. You don't really catch it. It wasn't contagious the way they thought that it was contagious. And you realize that if someone finds out... You will be banished from your family. You can no longer kiss your wife again. You can no longer hold your children again. You can no longer provide for them again. And on top of that, you're kicked out of the temple. You ain't allowed in church because now you're considered unclean. You know this, so you try to hide it. And now it got to the point where you can't hide it anymore. And now people recognize you are someone with leprosy. And so what they do is they now banish you into a colony with other lepers where they put you over here basically to go die with everybody else who has leprosy. And so now picture yourself, you're one of the 10. You hear about this man named Jesus. You hear about how he heals people, how he can can change people's lives. So you're here away yelling, Jesus, Master, Lord, crying out to him. Now the law required minimum Minimally. If you had leprosy, the law required, if you're around anybody in public, you had to minimally stay at least, a minimum, six feet away. See, y'all thought the CDC came up with that stuff, didn't you? Y'all thought the CDC came up with the six feet stuff. Man, the law did. They've been doing this way back thousands of years ago. The law required you to stay six feet away if you had leprosy from someone. But these guys were at a distance. And don't miss what they were screaming. Jesus, which means Savior, Master, which means I will do whatever you tell me to do. See, so many people, we wanna call Jesus Lord, but we don't want him to be the master. And there's a big difference there in this calling him Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you that I don't get to go to hell. Woo, that's awesome. Thank you. But I'm not going to let you be the master, the boss of my life. I will date who I want to date. I'll marry who I want to marry. I'll work where I want to work. I'll go where I want to go. I'll major in what I want to major in. I'll go to the school I want to go to school. I'll pick the job that pays the most because that has to be from you because it makes more money, right? So I'll go where you want me. And so we don't want him to be the master of our life. Don't tell me how to handle my finances. Don't tell me when I need to be generous. Don't tell me how to run my relationships. Don't tell me how to run my business. Don't tell me how to parent my children. You see, we want him to be Jesus, Savior, but not Master, Lord. These guys says, listen, Jesus, you are Savior, but you're also Master, which means I will do whatever you tell me to do. So what do you think Jesus tells them to do? Look what he says. Verse 12, sorry, 14. He looked up at them and he said, go, show yourself. To the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, the law in Leviticus chapter 14 says that if you have leprosy, and some people for some miraculous reason were healed, and if you were healed and there was evidence that you were healed, you would go to the priest and you would show yourself to the priest. And the priest had the power to reinstate you back to your family, society, to the workplace, and to the temple. And so now you go show yourself to the priest. Now watch this. These are the 10 guys that are away from Jesus. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And Jesus says, uh, go show yourself to the priest. Now, If you don't put yourself in the story, if you're in the story, you'll be like, "Um, yo, Bartholomew, does he not know you gotta be healed before you go to the priest? I can't just go show myself to the priest. They're not gonna let me in. He ain't gonna have no appointments for me today. They're not gonna let me come to the priest because I've not been healed. I gotta be healed And then as I'm healed, I can go show myself to the priest. Why did he tell us to go to the priest and we're not healed yet? But I don't want you to miss the text. The text says they went. They went to the priest. Now, they probably had a conversation. Now, I don't know. Are we going to break in? I mean, do we just run in and say, yo, Jesus told us to come in here? Like, Jesus told me to show up? I mean, mean, what do we tell the priest when we get there? They're on the way to the temple to show themselves to the priests. I love what the Bible says. As they went, they were healed. Some of you right now, you're waiting on God to do something in your life. God's waiting on you to take a step. He's waiting for you to move. God, would you just send me Mrs. Wright? First, bro, take a shower. Get a job, right? Come on. Like, we're asking God to bring people to us, and we don't even take the next step. Lord, I just pray for a job. Okay, put your application out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, we're praying for God to do this stuff, but we won't take a step. God, fix my marriage. Go to counseling. Like, I'm providing you steps for you to do. Why won't you do that? God, help me financially, get a coach. We have financial coaching here. It's completely free for anybody who wants help in winning with their finances. Like, we keep praying these things for God to do something. He's like, well, I'm waiting for you to move. And as you go, as you put faith in my word, I will heal you. But see, no, God, we want the evidence first that you blessed us. Show me the evidence first that we're healed. Then I'll do what you tell me you want me to do. But it was faith in his word that led to this healing. It was faith in his word that led to this obedience. And so God gives us his word, and when we obey it by faith, that's when God begins to come through and show great things in our life. See, a lot of us, you think you're waiting on God. God's waiting on you to make the right step, the next step, the next move. So could you imagine? Put yourself back in the story. Come on, back in the story. All right, let's go show ourselves to the priest. Man, my fingers are tingling again. Man, I, I got feeling in my hands now. Like my back, I didn't. it hurt, but now I can feel where it hurts now. I can feel my toes when I walk. I can feel the sand coming through my sandal on my feet. I think I'm being healed. I think something's happening. Come on, this is what's taking place. As they went, their body began to heal and they saw it instantly. They felt it instantly. But then something miraculous takes place. Look what happens in verse 15. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he was walking, all ten of them going to the priest. One of them came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And then I love what Dr. Luke says right here. See, Luke is a is a Gentile, he's not a Jew, he's one of the only ones there. He's a doctor, he's a physician, so he writes very, from a medical standpoint, he's very detailed. If you read the Gospel of Luke, he's very detailed. You're like, why is he so detailed? Why is everything in so good order? It's because he was a physician and he was, had this cute detail, uh, attention to details. And he wants us to note this, that the guy that came back that fell at Jesus' feet was a Samaritan, not a Jew. He's on the border of Galilee. Samaritan, Jews, Samaritans hate Jews. Jews hate Samaritans. And now here's one Samaritan mixed with the non-Jewish guys, and it was the Samaritan who came back and fell at the feet of Jesus and begged him and thanked him for what he did in his life. Now, why did he come back? Like, why did he come back? Why didn't he go show himself to the priest? You know why he didn't show himself to the priest? Because he wasn't bound by Levitical code. He was Samaritan, not a Jew, He didn't have to follow that code. He didn't have to go back and say, hey, listen, here, I'm a Samaritan, but hey, Jesus has told me to come. He realized I don't have to go show myself to the priest because the priest is not one who who reinstates me back to society, Jesus is. So I'm going to run back to Jesus, and I'm going to thank Jesus. Instead of going to the priest, I'm going to become a priest, and I'm going to build an altar at the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to thank Jesus for changing my life. I don't have to have that priest reinstate me. Jesus is the one that changes me. Here's, a, here's a, a, an indirectly point I want to make here. Don't let someone give you a gift as a blessing in your life without reaping Gratitude. Don't let someone bless you without you reaping gratitude in your life. When someone blesses you, you should be so grateful and thankful for that. When somebody does something for you, when someone changes you, and here's what I think we've gotten over the cross. I think a lot of Christians have gotten over what Jesus has canceled out your sin, has canceled out hell, and guarantee you heaven. I think people have just gotten over that. That's why people walk around, especially Christians, with this entitlement at it. I don't have to be grateful. What do you mean I have to be grateful? Name your blessings one by one and see how grateful we should be. In fact, we should be the most grateful people on the planet because of what Jesus, yet while we were sinners, he died for us, and he radically changed our life. We have all the reasons to be grateful. We got all the spiritual blessings from heaven. We have the spiritual gifts. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians that we've already been set in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. How in the world do we not be grateful and everything in all circumstances. So here's a couple points I wanna make real quick. First one is this. Stop seeing gratitude as an obligation and start seeing it as an opportunity. Stop seeing gratitude as an obligation. Well, Pastor Daniel says we're Christians, so I guess we're obligated to be thankful, so let's force our way into write things down we're thankful for. Gratitude is not an obligation. Start seeing it as an opportunity. I get to be grateful. I get to show a crazy lost dying world how thankful I really am. I get to be grateful because listen, Jesus has saved me. Yes, my circumstance don't dictate that. My situation doesn't dictate that because in this world there's all kinds of crazy things. there's all kinds of things that we have the right not to be grateful for. Your parents got divorced. She walked out on you and told you she didn't love you no more. You lost your job, you lost a loved one. your health has decayed. You've lost money. things have gone bad none of these things are circumstantial give us any reason not to be grateful for who God is and what he's done in our life. We don't have to wait for an obligation. Well, we're Christians and we just gotta force ourselves to be grateful because that's what Christians do. We see it as an opportunity to be grateful for what God's done in our life. Which leads me to my second point. Stop thinking of gratitude as a byproduct of your circumstances and start making it a lifestyle. Gratitude has not based on my circumstance. I don't have to base it on my circumstances anymore. I, I could base it on a lifestyle. It don't have to be because things are going good, I'm grateful. If things are good at work, let's just be grateful. If things are going bad at work, let's not be grateful. It's a lifestyle as Christians. I'm going to actually talk about that next Sunday. I'm going to be Professor Daniel up here. I'm just going to sit down on a stool, and I'm just going to teach you practically how you can make a lifestyle of gratitude, how this can be in you where you're in the locker room, you're on the court, you're in class, you're at work, you're with your crazy family on Thanksgiving. You know what I'm talking about because we all have them, right? We all have those crazies. I see some right now going, I don't have crazy people. That's because you're the crazy one. That shows up. Y'all gonna start your grateful journal on Thursday night. I'm thankful the family left. You know that. Thankful she went home, finally, right? Don't you say they're like you have a halo on. You know who I'm preaching to. You see, we should be grateful not based on circumstances. It should be a lifestyle. We shouldn't wait once a year going, okay, it's Thanksgiving. Bring the thankful turkey or the thankful pumpkin out. Let's all write things we're thankful for on. As believers, this should be in us. This should be a lifestyle overflowing with gratitude for everyone around us as it spills out all over. Like, I don't have to wait for circumstances change to be thankful. Listen, I don't have to wait to have the job I want to be thankful. I'm just thankful I got a job. I don't have to be thankful for the car that I want. I'm just thankful I've got a car to get me to where I need to go. You see what I'm saying? I don't have to be, I'm thankful. I don't have the house yet, but the house that I want someday, I'm gonna be thankful for that. I'm gonna be thanking God in advance. You see what? You have to wait around to be thankful. We can start being thankful now and be grateful now for what God is doing in our life. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Is that every single one of us has this propensity towards self-centeredness and a lack of gratitude. Why? Because we have a sinful nature. You don't think you're selfish? Wait till you have children. They come out of the womb going, mine, mine. Share with your sister. Mine. Share with your sister. Mine. Share with your sister. How'd they get so selfish? Do you have to teach your kid to be self-centered? See, my wife and I, we passed all these traits down to our children. Some look like her. Some look like me. Some have my ears. Some have her ears. It's just how God wired us. But one thing we pass on to our children, I wish we never passed. That's the sinful nature. We're all bent towards sin. And we're all bent towards self-centeredness when the Holy Spirit radically changes your life I no longer have to give in the flesh anymore my circumstances no longer control me anymore I can have this attitude of gratitude because he who is in me and so at a young age we try to teach kids at a young age right to be thankful to be thankful to be grateful to be grateful grateful. why do you do that so hopefully it would spill over into our lives that these kids would understand I'm just thankful that listen if you have a shelter and running water you're in the top 25% of the wealthiest people in the world and we take these things for granted. We take all this stuff for granted. We take the cross for granted. And we've gotten over what Jesus has done for us. And if we're not careful, we'll get blinded and numb to the blessings. We even as a church, I mean, come on, last year was one of the worst years ever in the big Sea church. I mean, even the things that are going on in our church. It's one of the toughest years we've ever been through. But right in the midst of this, guess what? God has still saved way over 200 people since January. God has found this campus over here in Ashland and said, come on, well, I've heard what's going on in Moorhead. We want it in Ashland. Would you bring it to us? You see, you see what I'm saying? Even in the midst of the wilderness, God is still moving. Even when we're not ready or expected to even know that he was gonna do it, he still did it. And we get so familiar with the blessings. I mean, for some of you right now, the job you've been praying for, you begged God to get you that job, and now you've got the job, and now you hate the job. And you prayed for it. You, you see what I'm saying? We beg, we beg these things. as God come through, and God comes through, and then all of a sudden you take it for granted, or you get used to the blessing. Verse 17, Jesus asked the man who fell at his feet, did I not heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? receive mercy, 10% only receive grace. And it's grace that leads to gratitude. And when you've experienced grace, it will lead to gratitude. 10 of them got a new body, one of them got a new heart. 10 of them experienced mercy, one of them experienced grace. And listen what this grace did. Verse 18, has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, the Samaritan, the one that the Jews hate? Is he the only one who would be so grateful enough to come back when his body was healed and now they get to go back to their wife and back to their children and back to the temple and back to the family and back to the workplace? Has this not been a miraculous move in their life and only one, the foreigner, the Samaritan comes back? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Literally in the Greek, it says has saved you. It was his faith that saved him and made him right with God because he believed in God's word. It was his gratitude that revealed his faith. Don't miss that. It was his gratitude that revealed his faith. And I just believe as believers, listen, we, we've had this incurable sin that has been passed down to every one of us. We too were a foreigner with this incurable disease that can never be cured. We were once far off, but praise the Lord that God sent his son. That, so whoever would believe that he got up out of the grave, he died for you, died for me, his blood was shed for you, it's shed for me, and he got up out of the grave, you will be cleansed. His blood cleanses you from this incurable disease called sin. And God sent his son for you and me. And watch this, we're no longer foreigners. We're now family. We're no longer outcast. We're now part of the family of God and we're joint heirs with Jesus. We no longer stand up from a distance. We now can uh, come right into the throne of God, right into His presence at any time. Not because you are good, not because I am good, but what Jesus did on the cross. And now we can boldly come into the throne. We don't have to make appointment with the priest. We go to Jesus. We walk right into Him, right into the throne. Because as Jesus says, we can cry out, "Abba, Father." And now we can walk right in to his presence. My prayer for all of us is that we don't wait once a year to celebrate gratitude. That we should make a lifestyle of being thankful for what God has done in our lives. I'm going to ask if you would just for a moment to bow your heads. Couple things real quick. Followers of Jesus, both campuses, watching online, maybe right now you just need to take a moment, and if this is you, to say, Father, forgive me that I've taken all your blessings for granted. And Lord, I never want to get over what you've done for me. And I pray that you begin to sow in my heart this attitude of gratitude that I'm always thankful despite my circumstances, despite the situation. I can always be thankful because you love me, you're for me, you're not against me, you're with me, you've cleansed me, you've forgiven me, and you've guaranteed a place for me in heaven. And no matter how gravely dim things may seem here, My eyes will be on you and be thankful. I'm not gonna complain. I'm gonna have an attitude of gratitude. And when you have an attitude of gratitude, there's so many blessings that will follow your thankfulness. Begin to thank God in advance for the things you lack, for the things that you need in your life, for what God, God, maybe your marriage is on a rock, but God, I'm gonna thank you in advance for healing my marriage. Maybe you have a wayward kid, but God, I'm going to thank you in advance for bringing the kid home. Maybe you're struggling financially, but God, I'm going to thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our family. I'm going to thank you. That's faith. That's faith. And maybe the reason why you can't be thankful is because you never really truly have experienced his grace. Because when you get his grace, it leads to gratitude. And so right where you sit at both locations or watching online, right now you can just cry out to him and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how today, I repent of my sin and I put my faith in you. Now, Lord, Master, help me follow you all the days of my life. Now, listen, I believe if you prayed that with me, the Bible says that you have entered the family of God and we want to welcome you and we want to celebrate and be thankful for what God did in your life. And just in a moment, hosts is going to come out at both of our campuses and they're going to share with you a way that you could probably text information that we can just celebrate that God radically changed your life. We just want to rejoice with you. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for how relevant it is. God, how easy will you get over your... Your blessings, how easy it is for you to bless us and not come to you with gratitude of thankfulness. I pray that we would just fall to our knees and be so thankful for all that you've done in our hearts and our lives. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve your mercy. We don't deserve your grace. But God, in your love and your kindness and your forgiveness, you've saved us. And we're grateful and we're thankful. And I pray that we never get over that. With your name we ask and we pray. Amen.